you turn with me to Romans 8 again, please, this morning? Romans chapter 8. Um, I, I'm not going to make this long this morning, and I mean that, because I want you to get away home. I want you to get your dinner. I want you to get out tonight, and we're going to have this uh, wonderful celebration of we're inducting our uh, 18 deacons in this evening. And I want you to come out and support them. And listen, tonight I'm not going to be doing a lot of teaching on deacons. We've read scripture to them and we've talked about it at the members meeting and other things. I've talked about something about things before. Um, I am going to take the thought of it, but I'm going to be preaching the gospel tonight because they'll be unsaved here. And that's the most important thing is to preach the gospel. So we'll be preaching the gospel. We'll be mentioning what is happening uh, but we'll be preaching the gospel. So would you invite your loved ones out tonight, every deacon? I know it's hard to get them out, but I would ask you if you if you bring as many out as possible, and we're going to trust the Lord to save souls tonight, and maybe backsliders to come back to him, those who have walked away from him. This morning, I don't want to keep you long, as I said, because I want you to uh, have plenty of time and get in early. And we can get started off. We have a full program tonight, and we're singing and worship, and and with different things happening, and we want you to get in early and get started. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to do part 2 of the believer's journey from salvation to glorification. Can I just say that next Sunday morning, uh, our elder who will become pastor next week, uh, Sunday morning will be bringing the word of God to us. I'll be here, but he'll be bringing the word of God. And then in the evening, we'll be ordaining him into ministry of CET. Uh, by the laying on of hands and calling him aside and we're looking forward to that and it's going to be a, a great day but if I need and think and feel and I feel led I had so many things flying through my head I wanted to teach you on um, in the next few Sundays but we want Glenn to do t- next Sunday morning and then next Sunday night will be uh, him coming out into, into the ministry and then after that maybe the week after that we'll see or maybe do more on this because there's so much material here it's it'll be hard to even touch the surface of it again this morning so what i'll do is let's just buy in a word of prayer and then we'll go through the chapter and see where the lord leads us father we'll thank you for everyone here this morning we'll thank you for the little army of children that have got up and walked out into their children's church this morning and into the crash we pray lord those who are there, the leaders and the teachers, you'll bless them. And Lord, you'll inscribe your word on every little heart this morning. Pray for those who are here this morning as well, Lord, that you would, Lord, bless them through thy word. And we'll thank you for what we have sang. And we'll thank you, Lord, for the dedication of Sophia this morning. And Lord, we pray now that you would give me, as her name would mean, wisdom. Give me wisdom this morning. Give us all wisdom. Divine wisdom that comes from your blessed spirit. And may he move from seat to seat and heart to heart upon us this morning and in us and through us this morning. We pray for the anointing of the spirit, Lord, to come upon this man of clay lips and frailty. Pray, O God, that you would come and use me for your glory and teach us thy word to the glory of the name of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, your only begotten. So bless us and lead us on this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So last week as we started in Romans 8, chapter 1, or verse 1, pardon me, Romans 8, verse 1, 
We brought you the first three verses and I'm going to read through them and then we'll go on. I want you to see some points that we may look at in depth and maybe a little bit if we do another morning at it. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Remember, that means in a habitual, continual walk. Everyone is failing and falling, but it's the grace we live in, the blood that we're washed in, and hence the Spirit who enables us to go on in God. But we, we chase, as it were, seek after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, notice, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, it tells me I'm a sinner. The law points my sin out. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, heal my, my sinfulness, but it detects my sinfulness. You know, it doesn't defeat my sinfulness, but it detects it. Notice here, verse 3, For what the law could not do, that is to save us, in that it was weak through the flesh, that is your flesh and mine, God sending his own Son, the Lord Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And we showed you last week that that is salvation. Christ condemned that which was condemning you and I. He condemned the sin which was condemning us. And then in verse 4, so salvation is the first one. Remember verse 17, pardon me, before we go any further, we have glorification, the glorification of the saints. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. This will be our glorified state together. Christ will glorify the body. And if you will just briefly, quickly flick again. Glenn, actually, I thought he was going to steal my thunder this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And herein is the glorification. Remember, this is the believer's journey from salvation. We showed that in verses 1, 2, 3. Christ condemning that, which was condemning us. And now, if you look at glorification, 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Paul is saying we're not all going to die. In other words, there will be people alive when Christ comes again. The word sleep is die. And Paul is saying there will be those who have died in Christ, fell asleep in Christ. But there will be those when he comes again who will still be living unsaved should he come say today we're alive we're living and we're saved when we're in Christ and there are those who are saved and have fell asleep in Christ or they have died and Paul speaks about the resurrection as Glenn mentioned this morning and the glorification of the saint notice verse 51 behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. Will you say changed? changed. Will you say it louder? Changed. So all of us, whether we're dead in Christ and we have fell asleep and went to our grave, or whether we're on the earth and living at his coming, we shall all be changed. Now take note of the next verse. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
It isn't that this is a secret coming of Christ. It isn't that this is Christ is coming and he's, it's going to be such a secret no one will know it. It's saying here that people think that, well, he's going to come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Scripture doesn't say that. It says we will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be changed. Glorification. Our bodies will be glorified in the moment, in an atom of time, in the twinkling of an eye. That's what the scripture says. Let me just test you for a second. I done it last week, and I'll, I'll just refresh you and, and ask you another one. So how many animals, what way did they go into the ark? Now, yes, we're listening then. We always say it was two by two. And the wee song goes, the animals went in two by two, hurrah, hurrah. You know, and, and that's true, but that was the unclean animals, the ones that you wouldn't eat. God tells you in the codified law what we should and shouldn't eat. But the clean animals to be at and for sacrifice went in seven by seven. And people asked me about it last week. Read it in Genesis chapter seven. Because they had to eat and they would sacrifice. Read it in Genesis 7. And hence, we, we have people thinking, because we hear a little song, or we hear the animals went in two by two, that's all we think of. That's our mindset. How many kings came from the east to visit the child Jesus? doesn't say three. doesn't tell us any words three. But we always think, we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts. We, it doesn't tell us how many kings came. But it tells us there's more than one. And the reason we think it was three, or people said it was three, was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because there was three gifts mentioned. But it doesn't say there was three. But we all have it in our minds because we hear it. We don't read it in the scripture and say, hold on, it doesn't say three. And hence, when we hear about the second coming of Christ, everyone says, oh, he'll come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Scripture doesn't say that. It says we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. You're reading the scriptures? Can you read that in your Bible? Now let's move on with this. At the last trump and the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be, what's the word? Changed. This is the glorification of the saints. Verse 53. For this corruptible... Notice this is the flesh, the man Paul, the man Ken and whoever else there must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So your body will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye because the body you live in, the flesh, is corruptible. That's why your body gets weak, it has sickness and it dies. comes from Adam's uh, fall in the garden is imputed from Adam's fall into us, into Adam's race. And so we must put on immortality and we must be incorruptible in our bodies when Christ returns. Now listen, why do you think that would be? Because there's no flesh can glory in his presence. There's none can stand in his presence. And hence he must change our bodies there's no sickness with God there's no illnesses with heaven and hence if we were in our bodies there would be temptations 
and we'd still be failing. We'd still be falling. But when he changes our bodies to be fashioned like unto Christ's own raised, resurrected, ascended, and glorified body, then all of that is gone from the saint. Remember last week what I told you? When you're saved, you're saved from the penalty of sin. So are you saved this morning? If you're saved, you are saved from the penalty of sin. If you're not saved, you're not saved from the penalty of sin, but you will stand in judgment before God. So when you're saved, salvation in the life of the man and the woman, you're saved from the penalty of sin. And then as we walk this life in this flesh with the struggles between the flesh and the spirit, what, in, what did I say last week? You, does anybody remember? You're, you're free from the penalty or saved from the penalty. Then you're free from the power. Well, Stephen said that. Was that you, Stephen? At least one was listening last week. <laughs> you always listen, Stephen. You write it down, don't you? From the power of sin. So you and I, the, the sin will have no power over us now. Why? Because we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because the Holy Ghost is within us. He lives in us. So we're free from the power of it. The power of it is that it would condemn us. But Christ condemned that which was condemning us. He came and lived a life we couldn't live. He came and kept the law we couldn't keep. And he died in our place, in our room instead, as our great substitute. And hence it has no power over us. And when Christ returns, and we are... I was going to say we're all in the change. But you know something? I wonder, I'm going to talk about that sometime. I believe a little, I believe it's a little different from maybe what you believe. Some of you believe. And this is what I mean. Everybody thinks, well, whoo, way up into heaven and that's it. I, I think there'll be cohorts going up as reward is. Cohorts will lift up. Every man first in his own order, Paul, Paul writes. And the word order is in his cohort. It could be up to five to 600 people caught up to meet the Lord, changed, rewarded, immortality. Talk about it another time. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. When we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we put on incorruption. We, are, we put on immortality. And when we are changed, we are with the Lord forever, which is far better. Isn't that right? We're with the Lord, which is far better. Well, what does the scripture say? Where is Jesus coming to? Is he going to heaven or is he going to rule on earth? Isn't that right? He's coming again to earth. He's coming again. We will come back again with him. Immortalized and glorified. And in Revelation it says, and they shall reign upon the earth. And he will come and set his feet upon Mount of Olives. And he will come in. And listen, if you want to see the Holy Land, you haven't been there, you may hurry up because he's coming to destroy. There'll be a great earthquake. I'm getting off topic. Great earthquake, open up. Most of it will be destroyed. 
So notice this. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying is written, death is what? Swallowed up. Swallowed up in victory. No more death. So we put on immortality and incorruption, which is the be fashioned like Christ himself and his body, because we're in Christ. And we need that to stand in the presence of God. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Notice, the strength of this sin is the law. Ken, look at you. You're failed. Here's the law of God, the moral code of God, the Ten Commandments of God. And it tells us that we're sinners. Remember the Piedagogos, the, 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 the schoolmaster? Teaches us and shows us, look, you've done wrong. And we're living in this flesh and we feel the, the tug of it and we, we feel the downward drag of it at times, the fleshy mind of it and the heart of it. And all of it is against God. All of it is depraved in our nature against God. We have took on Adam's genes and Adam's germs because we're Adam's race. And it's away from God and separated from God. And when you get saved, you're reconciled to God and Christ. But your flesh, everything in you as a man, I mean a natural, carnal human being or a woman, is against God. Everything. But the Holy Ghost in us wars with this. If the Holy Spirit is living in you, he battles with you. That's why as a believer you know when you've went wrong, you've done wrong, you've said wrong, you've lived wrong, or you've done that which you shouldn't have done, or you didn't do that which you should have did. We're all the same, and this war goes on between us. And Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 57, but thanks be to God, that the pre of nature does, wants to accept nothing of God, but the divine nature of the Holy Spirit in us quickened unto God. We can give thanks to God that even though we're still in this warfare, we are reforming every day. Our mind is being transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. And yet there's the eye gate. And there's the ear gate, what you see and what you hear. And there's the tongue, the little member that could, that could steer a ship every day and we battle with it. We have a, an outside enemy called the devil. And he wants to come and he plies you at your weakest point. He comes and he, he tempts you at your weakest area. And he, and he attacks you in your, in your flesh. They cause you to feel. But thanks be to God. Which giveth us the what? Shut it out. Come on, shut it out. The victory. So in Christ, I'm victorious in Christ. I'm not praying from, nor am I fighting from a a valley to try and climb a mountain. In life and ministry, I'm fighting from victory. I'm up the mountain. I'm geared with the whole armor of God, fighting from victory. 
The devil is defeated. The devil means absolutely nothing. He's a defeated foe. And know what he says? It says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All that he has done, all that he has accomplished, all he has paid for, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. So are you, brothers and sisters. I failed them. So have I. So have I. But I'm still in victory because I bring it to him and his grace abounds over my sin. He says, son, go on. He'll say, daughter, go on. So if you turn to Romans 8, please. Romans chapter 8. So if you have salvation by verse 3, let us read from verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now note here, if you're writing down, underline in us, in us. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Take note, it doesn't say by us. Okay, it doesn't say by us. The righteousness of the law will be fulfilled, should be fulfilled in us, not by us. We can't fulfill the righteousness. It's his righteousness fulfilled in us. Notice, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, or whose lives are not dominated by the flesh, but are dominated by the spirit, capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Ghost. And so we have to step back at times and say, is my life... Now, there's no condemnation here. Romans 8 and 1 tells us there's no condemnation, so this isn't to condemn anyone, but is my life dominated by the flesh or dominated by the Spirit? Is your life dominated by your flesh? Because the flesh lusts. The flesh wants. The flesh looks downward. The spirit looks upward. And your soul looks inward. So where is it that you are dominated in your flesh or is it by the spirit? Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So if we are saying that we are Spirit-filled, born-again, blood-washed believers, then Paul is telling us here that if you're fleshy, you're not really spiritual. If you're fleshy, if you love the things of the flesh more than the things of the Spirit... See, a spiritual man and woman, they should be bursting at the seams to be gathering together to worship the Lord. They get under his word. They should be bursting at the seams to spend time with him. Whether you're at home alone or in your car or wherever you may be. A 
That's the spirit leading us. But the flesh is when you have the feet up and reading a newspaper rather than the word of God. That's fleshy. Reading the magazines about all the gossip rather than the word of God. It's fleshy. Looking to go out to a club rather than go out to a, a, a meeting to worship the Lord. That's fleshy. And it pulls you down. It looks downward. And do you know what it wears downward? It's the grave. As far away from God as can be to the depths and regions of hell. Fleshy. Godless. Downward. But the man and woman who are saved, we all live and fight against these things. But the man and woman who are saved, the spirit wars, overcomes those thoughts, overcomes those feelings, overcomes those loves, overcomes those lusts and desires and cravings and looks upward and glories in Christ on his cross. But, oh, Lord, I'm a wretch. But when I look at your cross, I'm a wretch, Lord. When I look at me, I don't understand or know why or how I can be saved. But when I look at you and what you have done on the cross and the blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins, I don't see how I cannot be saved. So it was a domination of the flesh, domination of the spirit. I'm tired. We all get tired. I understand that. But the flesh says, no. The flesh is away from God. The flesh says, don't even think about getting into the place of prayer. Don't worry about the prayer meeting. Listen, I was delighted. We were so encouraged on Wednesday night. I was 90-something. 92 came out to a prayer meeting on Wednesday night in a polytunnel mushroom tent. What do you think of that? In a field... And nearly, well, it's not in the middle of nowhere, but it's not out of, it's out of the road. And here's the thing. The Spirit came in. Could have sat at home and went, Nah, can't be bothered. Nah, I'll just stay home. It's a flesh. I can tell you, see, even the next day, I was walking around praising God the next day. I was full of beans and buttermilk the next day and I was was walking and leaping and praising God like the man at the beautiful gate. Spirit. Spirit. Brothers and sisters, it's death and life. You know, they, they look at each other in juxtaposition and one is totally opposite from the other. Hence, we will be changed in the moment. Hence, we will be Uh, incorruptible, made incorruptible. Hence we will put on immortality in the presence of holiness and gloriousness. Hence that's the difference. Paul is bringing us on a journey and this is the journey we're all on. No condemnation here because we're all fighting on. I, I speak to people and they tell me about their failure and their falls and all of that, and I try and help them the best I can. And, and I've said to them, if you hadn't got any conviction of heart of what you have done or where you have been or whatever, if you haven't got conviction of your heart, I'd be more concerned. 
When you have conviction in your heart of these things, when you have conviction in your heart because of these things, when you feel like you're rotten with it, then glory to God because you only do that because it's the Spirit of God in you who is showing you, as it were, the Ten Commandments. The Lord said in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, that I will write my word or my commandments on your heart. It's the Spirit warring against this. This was wrong and the conviction comes. And what did I do? I feel rotten. I might have feel rotten and paid penance. No, you bring it to Christ, to the cross, and go on to the blood, and you get up in the grace of God and move on. The amount of people that have come over the years I'm speaking. Oh, what am I going to do? I've failed too much this time. No, there's always mercy with him. Mercy there was great. And grace was free. Going back, I'm going to round this up. I think that's enough this morning. And I haven't touched the rest of my notes, so maybe not next week, the week after, we'll go back to this. Because I want to look at all other portions of Scripture. Let me, for the next few minutes, round up this chapter, and we'll maybe uh, see where we go from there. So from verse 3 of Salvation... We're seeing the life lived out of the flesh and the spirit. When you're saved, people think when you're a Christian, you're saved. One, you know everything. They think you know the Bible inside out, you know it back to front, and you don't have any theological discussions you need to worry about, for you have all your ducks in order here, you know? No. They think that you're, you're, you're so good and you, you, know, you must be perfect. Well, the only perfection I have is Christ's perfection. Not perfect. And this is the war that Paul is speaking of throughout our Christian life. Remember, to everything there's a season, a time, to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. We are born, and this is our life between a time to die. And then we must be born again when we have, we're saved in this time until we die. And in between is the life that we fight and war with. Notice what it says in verse 7. But the carnal mind is enmity against God. When you say enmity, you know what it means? You're God's enemy in your own mind. It's not of God. For it is not... Subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So in other words, if the Spirit of God isn't in you, then you're not saved. You're not Christ's. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. Because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now you write under there, sanctification. Sanctify, the spirit of God sanctifies the people of God. He sets us apart. So salvation, sanctification, heading towards glorification. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. 
Notice he'll quicken your mortal bodies. That's resurrection. You can write under there, resurrection. So we have salvation, sanctification through our life. Whether we die or live, as we spoke of at the coming of Christ, we have resurrection. But we have a spiritual resurrection when we're saved. But this is speaking of resurrection. And let's go to verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye live, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's how you can tell God's people, you know. With two things, being led by the Spirit. I'm not talking about the cheese sandwich brigade who dream too many dreams and see too many things and have visions of all sorts. I remember I watched a, a woman one time, she got up on a platform and said, she's seen an elephant dancing across the field and tried to apply it to spiritual matters. Now, brothers and sisters, that's hogwash. So being led by the Spirit is, first of all, the second part of knowing that you're a believer, Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. So being led by the Spirit means you love God's people. You love your brother and you love your sister. Notice here, Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The closest word to Abba is Daddy. The spirit itself, or himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then if children... And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joined heirs with Christ. If so be, we shall suffer with him that we may be glorified together. Is your glorification. Now, there are other things down this chapter. I'll just mention it, and I might touch on it if we do another one. Let your eye run down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. You ever get that? You don't know what to say. You ever get that? Your heart's broken in your boots and you don't know what to say to the Lord. You've run out of words. It's Holy Ghost makes intercession. You're groaning. Your mind's on God. Going, oh, I don't even know what to say, Lord. And, oh, the groans of it in, in your heart. Holy Spirit praying through you, bringing you to the place of prayer. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what it, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. Not our purpose, but his purpose. Now these two verses where we stop, this is where we stop, and you can write here, uh, verse 26, you could write revelation there. So the Spirit brings revelation to us. And then in verse 29 and 30, you can write here, the culmination, culmination. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. And what Paul tells us uh, in in 2 Corinthians 3.18 is that we are being changed from glory unto glory. God's working in us. The, The flesh is not 
dominating or conquering, but we live, we learn, we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and we start to become more spiritual where we love him. We love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We serve him with all that we are and have. We give to him of our time, our energy, and everything else that we possibly can. That's the sign of the Spirit. I know the spiritual gifts are another sign of the Spirit, but this is the main thing. This is the the most important thing. Spiritual gifts are for the edification of the church, but this is about you and him, about you loving him, about you serving him. I will serve thee because I love thee, said uh, sang the group this morning. You have given life to me. Take note of this, if you will. Here's the culmination. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. Look, away in eternity. Coming right down for salvation and justification. Right the whole way through until glorification. That's that encapsulated in one verse. It's like he says, here it is in one verse. That God knew us, knew our inability, and he sent his son for us. Here's what John Newton wrote, who wrote Amazing Grace. I am not the man I ought to be. I am not the man I wish to be. I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God... I am not the man I used to be. And I'm not the man I used to be. You're not, I hope and pray, the man or woman, you've grew out of this. You've grew in your salvation. You've grew in sanctification. I have so much material over the two weeks. I've brought that so far. I've only touched one page. So we might do another one in a couple of weeks. See how I feel led to do it. Maybe we'll do that in a couple of weeks.